0: Welcome to another episode of Dive in Justice. I'm Shandine Garcia.
1: That is not even. It's like you've never listened to our podcast before.
0: I'm just reading the script.
1: Watch, watch a professional.
0: I'm reading the script. Just a professional would learn. have a script updated.
1: Watch and learn. You're like the welcome to another. It's uh, <laughs> like welcome to another <laughs> asshole. Welcome to another episode of Dive in Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal. I hate you so much.
2: You said, "Don't mute." Welcome to another
0: asshole. Okay, okay, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: Welcome to another episode of Dive In Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I am Delma Jackson.
0: I'm Shandine Garcia. And today we're going to talk about what we mentioned in our previous episode, the complexities of contemporary Toms. We explained and unpacked what that was. We'll do that again. We'll do our normal check-in with one another, where Delma attempts to bore us with his life, and I attempt (laughs) to hold space and listen and care for him. Then we'll jump right into our conversation. Stay tuned.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. We hope during the pause you enjoyed the amazing music by Dana and Alden McQuain. If you look on Spotify and you look up Alden, you'll see the public playlists, you'll see stuff that Dana's got going on. They're two amazing musicians. One is going to be graduating shortly from the Berklee School of Music. That would be Alden and his older brother, Dana, who is also an accomplished musician, goes up to Boston regularly to make music with his brother. They are beautiful humans and amazing talented musicians.
1: Really appreciate them um, being willing to share their stuff with us. Um, Thank you fellas, deep, deep gratitude for that and love the tracks. Thank you so much. Yeah, I wanted to see how you were doing. I wanted to spend a little bit of time checking in.
0: I got an annoying cold. We're back into the world of where you're back around other humans. You're just going to start getting sick again. And I'm curious about like the um, the changes in our immune systems when we have been continuing to isolate's not the right word, but not going back to the ways of being pre-COVID, which is you know the offices still, people aren't going in a ton, people aren't having in-person meetings, all the things. And last week, or the week, yeah, last week I was. out seeing a lot of people which
2: mm-hmm.
0: is why I'm sure I got sick um, but I'm on the tail end of that cold not on the tail end of learning how to rest better when I do get sick but that's a story for another day this past week um, I did a lot of I did a lot of in person facilitation
2: mm-hmm.
0: and what I've been trying to figure out how to this, this is always the, for, for folks who are consultants or folks who are facilitators, it's always hard to describe to people what it is that you do. <laughs> and I had a long yeah. conversation, right? Like, how do you tell your kids what you do when they say, what do you do for a living dad? What do you tell them? Yeah. Seriously.
1: Um, I tell them I work with people who want to change their organization or their group to be better at what they do.
0: And that you're the solution to that.
1: I am the only
0: solution to that. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Just want to be clear. We're the solution, and we have to facilitate people to get from point A to point B. And part of mm-hmm. our charge is to make it be seamless and to help them feel like they're not being manipulated as a hard word. They're not being... I'm just going to use it for right now. Not being manipulated mm-hmm. from point A to point B.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I struggle with knowing if this is something... Because people will say, can you write me a facilitator-proof agenda? Or can you just teach so-and-so how to do it? Or can you just do a quick lecture on it and teach someone how to facilitate? Nope. It's just not that fucking easy. And I don't know how to describe it.
1: No, nope. it's nowhere near that easy. Um, yeah, that's real. That's real. I don't know. It's
0: not it's not very exciting. I mean, I spent an hour talking with one of my brothers yesterday about the art and skill and pedagogy inside every single choice of every single thing we're doing in that room and there's um, when it's live there's actual physical pedagogy where I stand in that room for a reason at any particular moment Mm
2: -hmm.
0: is for a reason and I don't know how to teach or tell people that when they ask or they want to workshop or they want to, I don't know how to say, well, I got up and I walked across the room because I saw a shift in this person's posture that I had them. And so I wanted to turn, be near them, reinforce it, look them in the eye, even put my hand on their shoulder. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a tough thing to describe, but I don't know. I've been, I've had a heady week around thinking about what it is that we do.
1: Yeah. I I resonate with that. And I was just having this conversation a few times throughout this week. I think anyone who's been at their job for a long time and has developed a, a type of proficiency There's gonna be a lot of things they do that they find useful, purposeful, whatever, but would have a hard time capturing that and conveying it to someone else. And I think, particularly in the realm of working human to human, that's all the more true and complex like, I'm sure, you know, if we have somebody in here who specialized in uh, business, right, they may have some things that they've developed along the way that would be hard to convey to somebody else, right, um, that have to do with how you meet with clients or how you meet with potential clients or whatever.
0: I don't know. That's the, That was the discussion that my brother and I were having, is that mm-hmm. most— professions have the manuals that go with it and have the every single thing it's hard to find one around um, instinct and facilitating
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and also sounds stupid just as I say it out loud
1: I think if if you're someone who does that work then you, you understand um, I think anyone outside that world Yeah, it might be hard to to resonate with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know that everybody gets a manual. Well, (laughs) let me rephrase that. I know they do. (laughs) And I also think... And this is something I've been talking about at at this subject matter that you're bringing up. I think for me... What strikes me is how often when I'm around other people who do this work and do it well, particularly back in the day when I was getting started, um, and it comes up, um, it still comes up for me, depending on the situation or the subject matter, I can never facilitate the way someone else does. Like you, for instance, you and I have facilitated together And there are things that I've watched you do that I was like, oh, that makes sense. Maybe I can try that on for myself.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? And then there are other things I've watched you do that I know automatically. I'm not even about to attempt it. Even if it goes over, right, like, I'm, I can watch it go over really well with the group you're working with, but I know me well enough at this point to know that there are just some things that don't make sense for me to do because it's not going to resonate with who I am. And I think one of the hardest parts about this work, for me at least, is being around people who are really good And figuring out what's theirs to be good at yeah, and what can I learn from them and perfect and get good at for myself and not try to like, because I think the mistake I made early on was trying to be the people that I watched who were really good at what they did. And that's never going to go well. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like I have to facilitate in ways that resonate with me. It has to be authentic to me. And I think that's part of why the manual is so impossible to write.:
0: I'm wondering, too, if I everything you said I completely agree with, which is rare, but I do. Because um, <laughs> the same is true. I actually remember talking to you in depth about the um, poetry exercise that you do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And even though you tried to convince me, no, you can do it. It just takes practice. No, you can do it. Like all the,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I made a decision after I practiced it twice and not out of frustration. I was like, I probably could do it, but you have a way of being that actually, I think helps it land way better than I could ever make it land. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. Like, I'm like, that's cool. Like that, that's his mm-hmm. like skill, his art, his profession, his like great I know that I have got others too, so it's not even like a, like, do I, do I have a netball? That's not, that's not it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Part of what I struggle with is, okay, now I'm just going to be completely honest and embarrass the fuck out of myself. Yes. Um, I don't want to be like, there's an old dog that you can't teach new tricks to, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to sit there and fucking teach a whole bunch of new people how to facilitate. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fucking selfish as fuck. Like, so if I think about, like, who I want to facilitate with, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: we're all just going to fucking get old. Like, like Mm -hmm. we're not going to learn new things, right? Mm -hmm. I've got a crew of humans who I can facilitate cold with and not even, like, we can both show up never having looked at the thing, right? If, like, we can do it cold, we can also do it, like, with deep, deep prep. We can do it, like, there's there's mm-hmm. the when you've got your crew of people who you know you can just walk into a room and own this room with to help them it's not about us but to help them get from point a to point b to help them achieve their north star it's exhausted thinking about training up other people
1: i don't disagree and this to me is where the values and the finances intersect Immediately, That's what comes up for me. What do you mean? So if I am in the, con- if I'm working in the context of strictly training other facilitators and I'm being compensated to do that specifically, I don't mind. That can be fun. I kind of enjoy doing that. What's hard to me is getting paid for, one thing when I'm trying to hold two things. So like I get it. If I'm working with a newbie. Yeah. Nobody's paying me to like coach up this newbie. Yeah. They're paying me to do this actual facilitation thing. But the expectation is I'm doing double duty. Yeah. That's not enjoyable to me. It's stressful to me. I don't know this newbie well. I don't know what they might say that's going to make me look at them like, did you just fucking say that? (laughs) Right? Yeah. I don't need that when I'm trying to, like, focus on making sure this group is getting what they paid for. Yeah. Now, if we all on the same page, if I come in and I'm like, hey, y'all, this is my newbie. Thanks for the extra money y'all kicked in to make sure that I could hold both these things. If they say some hot shit... We all can just collectively look at them like they are crazy and then they won't do that no more. We all good. Everybody high five each other. We roll. I'm set, but you don't ever, that never happens.
0: Yeah. And here's where I feel like the selfish piece of me comes in or the not the self, what's the, where I struggle with my own ethics. Mm-hmm. I want to like help people grow and be stronger. And if I can provide some mentorship and help them do that and, And is it, I struggle with, okay, so we're on a team. Who am I to say that I'm the best on the team? Who am I to say that this person needs to be my quote unquote apprentice? They're newbie, right? Who am I to, like, how is that distinction made in an organization? And then they show up and that, and here's a piece where I, I feel like we, the piece that you just said, where let's name it on the front. That we don't. I don't go into a team and say I want to set expectations. I'm the master facilitator. I'm going to do this, and y'all are going to learn. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like ever. Mm-hmm. But there's some pieces of that are real. Mm-hmm. I also want to be learning from them, and uh-huh. I and right like mm-hmm. there's, but I I get frustrated in it because there is no manual and. If I am in front of a client, I can't in real time be like, "No, I'm going to pause." And you see the like we're gonna, right. so right. we had we had some pretty in depth for our listeners. Delma and I participated in some pretty in depth nonviolent facilitation um, workshops
2: mm-hmm.
0: where the methodology was to interrupt us in real time to help to note like you now here's where you could improve here or here's how that went well or here is how that like okay but I can't do that with clients and I can't do that with my full team so then I'm just a fucking selfish piece of shit being like ugh they fucked that up now I gotta go in and clean up that thing that they didn't get right and no one knows that this person mm-hmm. is an apprentice
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no I feel you I think if if I'm acting in an apprentice <laughs> uh, capacity um, I should be able to name that myself like you shouldn't have to come in and say I'm the master facilitator <laughs> like I know. <laughs> I know damn well I'm new like what like there are areas where I'm very much still an apprentice
0: of course right we all have those even in this practice
1: yeah and so the idea that we're not adopting a learner's stance simply because we acknowledge that we have a lot of experience I don't think those two things have to, like, contradict each other.
0: Agree. Agree. Okay.
1: And so it's okay to say, hey, um, you're here with me doing this work, um, and I'm leading the work because I have a lot of experience in this work, and I still expect to learn from you
2: Mm -hmm.
1: in the process. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And hopefully the feedback I'm giving folks is like, I really appreciated how you did this thing over here right and here's an area where I would have tried this or that and you know we can we can hold that together um now if you got some arrogant ass who's on some like oh I got this I got this I got it all figured out you know that's more about that says more about them
0: that check-in took us down a whole other route and I didn't even ask about you I think what, because like I, it's not like it wasn't a normal mm-hmm. boring week it was like back to back to back to back facilitations
2: mm-hmm. both in
0: person virtual like seven straight days of it so mm-hmm. that's why that's mm-hmm. why my head is there what about mm-hmm. you please tell me your week was boring
1: anything but anything but
0: <laughs> well, tell me about your week
1: I'm in the process of looking at moving
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and I'm just kind of exploring right now I'm, so I got it Uh, Her back from the lender, and she's like giving me the list of things that she'll need from me in order to start, Mm -hmm. you know, the paperwork, credit scores, and looking at basically Mm -hmm. telling me what I can afford.
0: Mm -hmm. And so essentially, it's like, yes, you have to rob a bank, or no, you don't.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: I was low key offended, offended by the amount of information she wanted from me.
0: <laughs> I think I think it's all good until they start asking for your elementary school report cards and then I'm like, get Can
1: we draw your the line?
0: fucking nose out of my butthole. stuff. Yes. Like, you're in my
1: butthole right now. Yes, please. Like, yes. Seriously. What is that called? A procti- proc colleges, proc colleges? what are what are yeah, they called? Yeah,
0: what are they called?
1: Anyway, want to know
0: The That's ass doctor. You've got an ass doctor. <laughs>
1: For real. For real. It feels invasive. Um, but that's not what offends me. I just looked at the list and like my nose started bleeding. I got sleepy. I I was like, I don't keep all of this shit readily
0: available. No.
1: Where I could just like pull up, right?
0: No, you gotta dig into like the deepest depths of shit where you don't remember passwords. You don't remember yeah. where that lives? You don't remember yeah. what file cabinet you put that in? You don't even yep. have a file cabinet. You've got a box with shit that you stuff into it and then hope that you never need it.
1: Yep. Of course. Yep, exactly. So <laughs> I spent probably two hours last night and compiled everything digitally, put it all in one folder, and sent it off to her last night. And I was so proud of my adulting.
2: (laughs) You should be.
1: For real, like I did that. You should be, And because I made all of it digital, no matter who comes later asking for whatever, I already got it. It lives in its own folder now. I set myself up for that sort of success so I could check that box for life. I have a place to just throw everything new into now. And that feels good.
0: I have to go through that. Also, can you just come out here and do that for me too, please?
1: Yeah, no problem. Okay, thank you. No problem for a fee. Um, so, between. How would
0: I be your co host?
1: <laughs> you said that, like, <laughs> I'm paying for that too. You understand? <laughs> oh, shit. I paid for I was that. Every that was episode. the favor to you. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. Every season, I have to find a way to bring back to our audience the fact that it's not, that I'm definitely doing you a favor. When we come back. Shandine and I are going to talk about what it means to be a contemporary time. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for giving Diving Justice a listen.
0: We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have.
1: If you're digging the pod, there are a couple of things you could do to show your support.
0: First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time And every review helps us grow our listenership And broadens the conversations we can have together
1: The second thing you can do And should do Is consider supporting the podcast By visiting our Patreon page At patreon.com Slash dive underscore in underscore justice Welcome back Um so, Shandine, per advertised, um, <clears throat> wanted to spend some time talking through the concept of contemporary town. I had a professor in undergrad, Dr. Melvin Peters, who would use that that term in reference to modern-day Uncle Toms, right? And Uncle Tom is an old-school term for um, a black person who kisses up to uh, white supremacy, kisses up to master in the slave-master narrative, um, is someone who puts the needs and desires of the master over those of himself and the community that that they're a part of, putting the needs of white supremacist interests over the interest of BIPOC brothers and sisters. And so I wanted to invite us into a conversation about that. And so before we jump into that, I was wondering if you um do you even have an a, an equivalent term for something yeah, like my, that?
0: Yeah, in my world, yeah. You know, it's interesting. When we brought this up a couple of weeks ago with our inaugural episode, I went and tracked down, I had to go through five different boxes because I packed up all my shit to track down my old copy of Uncle Tom's Cabin mm. by, um, for our readers Harriet. who don't know, by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Yeah, that right? Right? Yeah. Um, and when I was opening it, it was like like um, uh, dog-eared and marked up and sticky mm-hmm. notes. And it was, it was really interesting to look back at my old, like even my old handwriting and all the notes that I had the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. And it struck me, uh, uh, it reminded me of what I used to call um, I Don't Want to Be a Modern Day Tom Torlino. And in Indian country, um, not a lot of us know the person's name. His name is Tom Torlino, and there's a very famous image of him. Um, And he's a a Navajo, he's Diné, and he attended Carlisle Indian Boarding School. And I don't think at the time it was even called that. I think it was still called Carlisle Indian Industrial School. Mm. And there are two famous pictures of him, and it's him coming in, with long hair with dressed the way his family would you know have his have him dressed going to something very important mm-hmm. um, wearing his traditional clothing
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: a side by side comparison with his haircut with a three piece suit right a button up mm-hmm. suit with a mm-hmm. white man's tie and essentially it's this drastic comparison of you know kill the indian save the man and that was mm-hmm. a very famous phrase written by I want to say one of the um Indian commissioners back then. I can't remember the name of the Indian commissioner. Um, But that was a very famous phrase. And it's Mm -hmm. pretty much the concept that I'm constantly scared of. Like, am I becoming a modern-day Tom Torlino?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, a good segue segue into... What I wanted to open up with in our conversation here, which was around the ways in which we might see ourselves becoming those times, and yeah. it's so interesting. His name is—I
0: <laughs> know, right? Is what Tom. are the odds of that?
1: <laughs> right.
2: I actually uh, don't think many
0: people, to be honest. You said, "Is there an equivalent like in your world?" Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think many people actually know his name. Mm -hmm. well a lot of us know that image very Mm -hmm. very well it's also you'll see it in textbooks you'll see it all over the place but not as this like devastation of assimilation but uh eh, that's what happened in history and then we move on and
2: we move on yeah Yeah. kind of
0: like the way the first time i read uncle tom's cabin well that's the way Mm -hmm. it was and then we move on Mm
2: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. we're fucking living this shit right now
1: oh we are absolutely living this shit right now um To the degree...
0: Mm. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You go first.
1: No, go for it.
0: I was just thinking, even in the most simplistic piece of the outfit, the amount of time, and I know there's some gender in it, too, but the amount of time that is in my brain around what I need to wear to dance for my clients
2: Mm -hmm. takes Mm -hmm. way
0: more time than I think is necessary. Mm -hmm. And... And I'm not. People will say, "Well, why does it matter?" Well, why don't you just go in jeans? Why do you? You don't fucking know. You don't fucking know mm. the comments that I get if I were to show up in jeans. Well, I remember one time I showed up in jeans for a presentation, and it was like, "Oh, that's an interesting choice." Is what the executive director told me while I was walking. And I'm all, "Okay, good to know." I get told you're too short. I get told your heels aren't high enough. I get told wear more makeup. Wear less makeup. Wear more subtle nail polish. Wear less, less, you know. Uh, Flamboyant earrings Like the amount of fucking work That goes into meeting their practices And the fact that I spend all the time thinking about it Makes me a fucking Tom Torlino
1: I can remember years ago Being in a convening As a participant I wasn't even a facilitator But by then I had been a facilitator For several years Um, But I was there in the capacity of a participant And we were talking um, in a group of about 20 people, mostly black and white. Maybe a smattering of Asian, but mostly a black and white group. And we were talking about race. And one of the participants who was there with me, um, Rest in Power, to her. She passed away several years ago, but her name was uh, Charity, and she happened to be from Michigan as well. Like, we were out out of state during this convening. But Charity was was badass. She did some really dope work, both at the undergrad I used to attend. She graduated before I ever got there, but I heard about her even when I came to campus. Like, she was dope. Um, and then from there, went into Detroit and continued to do just really powerful work and i remember sitting there we're talking about race and at one point in the conversation charity basically just goes in right like we're not calling it what it is we're not naming white supremacy we're not naming the fact that european colonization has actually devastated most of the planet and you know, we're not talking about the ways that white folks can today continue to benefit from it. She was just going in, just going down the the list, and I remember sitting there, and my initial reaction was so tomish that I was ashamed of myself instantly. I didn't say what I felt. I didn't articulate it. It was a private internal time moment, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt a sort of cringe response. And some of it was that by this point in the convening, I had built relationships with everybody in this group. And so it almost felt like I wanted to protect these white folks' emotions from what she's naming.
2: Uh-huh. Right? uh uh-huh.
1: And the instant I realized that that's what was coming up for me, I was like, I have to change the way I do facilitation work. And I blamed facilitation work for my response, which brings us full circle. Explain more. Yep. As a lecturer... I've been able to always say exactly what I think and how I feel because the audience is not really participating. It's more of a didactic, passive, right? I say it, y'all write notes.
0: And you regurgitate on the exam.
1: Exactly. (laughs) As a facilitator, especially back then when I was still fairly new at it, There were so many times where what I felt, any anger, any frustration, anything like that, I often felt like I had to swallow it because I'm not here in a capacity where people are convening to hear from me right i'm i'm here as a facilitator so i'm supposed to facilitate this conversation between this group of people and so i don't get to be angry i don't get to be impacted and if i am i have to figure out how to basically swallow that shit
0: right and help them like essentially the victim is helping the asshole like process
2: mm-hmm. all of
0: their stuff in real time with you mm-hmm. while well, you're bleeding, but you can't show them you're bleeding.
1: Yeah. Yep. And so all of this went through my head in just a few seconds. And as soon as she was done saying her piece, I immediately jumped in to back her
2: mm-hmm. to
1: reiterate. And to, you know, add two. Had she not taken that step, I don't think I ever would have said any of the shit I had to say. But I felt called out by her in that moment. Because I'm not even in a facilitator's capacity here. And I'm still not saying the shit I want to say. I still don't feel like I have permission to be angry. And I would say that since then... That was a turning point for me as a facilitator. And since then, my goal has been to find some way of balancing being able to really express myself while still, you know, operating in the in the guise or in the in the role of facilitator. And um, I still find times where I don't know how to find that balance. I still find times where I shut myself down. For fear of offending somebody, you know, somebody who's paying me to do a job.
0: Who's paying you to help them learn how to navigate their offensive behavior.
1: Mm hmm. Yep. exactly. That shit. It's probably one of the most frustrating things for me about being a facilitator in the first place.
0: I fucked it up for you on one of our very first sessions. Um, I don't don't remember that. Yeah, I don't think that um, I I don't think we were on a client. In fact, we weren't on a client meeting yet. And you were telling me what you were going to say, and I almost did. I I did worse than what your example was. Like your example was, you thought it all in your head. Like none of it was like in front of this person. Mm -hmm. Um, But you, but you you said something like, "Well, I'm just going to tell them I don't know." And I was like, "Don't do that! Don't do that! Don't tell them you don't know." (laughs) Do you remember?
1: I don't. I don't. But it's funny.
0: and you were like um well shit and I was like nope 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 I'm wrong I'm wrong you're right let's go in and be honest like I'm so sorry I said that I'm so like I was like, like I still remember how terrible I felt telling you don't do that <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> whatever you do <laughs> right. don't do that and shit
0: so I struggle with um, that piece of that imposter syndrome we talked about a little bit earlier. Like, I don't know how to say to a client when they ask me for something that I don't have experience, a deep experience in. I don't know how to say, I don't know, but I'm fucking smart. And I got a crew that can easily learn how to do the thing that you're asking me to do and what you're purchasing is our values and our process, not our sector expertise. say I dance instead I think about what I'm going to wear how I'm going to show up on mm. the thing to present to to um, project whiteness mm-hmm. and confidence
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think I know where you're going with that but for the sake of our listener you connected whiteness and confidence
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm wondering if you mind teasing that out a little bit
0: well whiteness is all about not saying I'm a learner I'm a, you know, I was just corrected the other day, beautifully corrected, reframed. My brother beautifully reframed for me when I was like, I like, I'm just faking it till I make it. He said, Mm -hmm. no, it's called learning. You're learning. Mm
2: -hmm. There's two
0: different things. You're Mm not faking something you're studying, you're looking at other examples, and then you're, right? That's, whereas whiteness is like, I have to act like I know everything Mm -hmm. all of the time, have Mm -hmm. all of the answers all of the time. I'm getting better in the moment when I'm facilitating in front of a bunch of people saying, that's a great question, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But it is rare, right? And I'll say it all the time with my team, all the time with like my friends and family all the time. But when I'm on a call with a client meeting, the first thing I think about before I say I need to say I don't know and I need to is like, fuck, they're going to fire me or shit. Can I make rent?
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so
0: the confidence has to come across in that white male. I got it. I understand it. Tried and true. Totally. You're in good hands. Don't worry about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that is
0: not what is occurring inside my whole body. I feel confident that I can do it, but I don't feel confident I can convince them in the way that they want to be convinced, in the way that they're used to being convinced. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I actually mm-hmm. didn't have it right until I just said it this last time. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, not, I'm not unconfident. But the way in which we're supposed to prove ourselves is incongruent with the way I would like to be showing up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And instead of showing up with consistency, instead of being the actual real Tom, <laughs> I'm a fucking contemporary Tom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about how my body feels when I'm in quote-unquote professional spaces. And it could be with colleagues. Maybe I don't know them very well. Or colleagues that have some say over whether or not I get to keep working. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Even then, when there's no client in front of me, there's still a sense of performing that I often feel like I need to do. And it depends on, it's all based in relationship and trust. Do I trust this colleague enough? Regardless of their position, do I trust them enough to be vulnerable, to be honest? If the answer is no, I can feel the tenseness, you know, that that tension in my body. And this idea that in some ways I want to be able to fade to the background and hope nobody calls on me, like old school classroom, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, please don't call on me because I don't know. I can't follow this. Um, and it's really hard sometimes to acknowledge that I think in part because I'm still learning about myself and how my brain best operates, best functions, best processes, right? And I feel like we live in a culture where there's only a handful of ways we allow people To process information. Like it'd be really weird. If I was on a call with a client. And they just said a bunch of stuff. It would be looked at as really weird. If I said. I'm about to hop off this call. With the notes I just took. From what you said. And just sit with that for a while. And process that without more noise. More talk. More whatever. Because this feels really important. And I feel like if I can really grasp this, then I can be much better at providing the kind of service you're paying me to provide, right?
0: Yes, because instead what you do is stay on the call, take rapid notes, working desperately to track what they're saying, and mm-hmm. trying every second to convince them that they are right in choosing to hire you to help them.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And maybe I scare the fuck out of them if I say, hey...
2: I got to take this shit in.
1: <laughs> you lost me. Give me like an hour. And then I may still have some questions when I come back to you. Like no client wants to hear that. Even as part of the reason they hired us is because their culture is falling apart. Because everybody there is faking it just like I am.
0: Right. Solidly meta. Hang on. You made me think of something. The only time, the only time I've ever been able to both say that and have them receive it with like relief mm-hmm. is COVID response. Because
2: mm. mm-hmm. they
0: were in it like we were all in the swirl.
2: Mm-hmm. So I had
0: permission to say this is all fucking new.
2: Hmm.
0: I don't know. Give me a second. Let me mm-hmm. think about what you said, brainstorm it with some people, talk to some, and then come back.
2: Mm-hmm. And they were
0: so fucking grateful that that was the, okay, great. So Shandine and her team is on it. You know, they're going to be thinking, and and we, it's, it's like we permission to be scared and don't know. I'm trying to, I was trying to think to get it. What are the characteristics that would allow us to mutually be able to, to say the thing?
2: Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that's it. Mm-hmm.
0: Which yeah. got, I'm not welcoming another fucking pandemic to then get together to <laughs> be able to name it, but I think I, like your the layers and the ripples of what you're saying are so fucking true. Like we can't do it, and you all sure as hell can't do it, mm-hmm. and we like it's a it's a never ending cycle that if mm-hmm. we can't actually get our way to say I don't know.
2: hmm hmm
0: I need to think about it.
1: hmm Yeah. And I think that sort of vicious cycle is so deeply rooted, not just in our work with any specific client. I think it's deeply rooted in the larger system we move in and the sort of indoctrination we've all had to navigate together Mm -hmm. just to move from one thing to the next in terms of making it through school systems. Moving into your early career path and moving up a particular ladder and being taken seriously and having the opportunity to make more money and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because another example of, for me, a big part of this indoctrination is not just being able to say to somebody, I don't know. Another big part of that that feels like a really big cultural difference to me, right? And I'm I'm speaking in terms of like stereotypes here, right? But when I think about about white culture, tension is always like the worst possible thing in the world. In terms of like the professional world, right? Right? They love their tension on the battlefield. They love tension in the sports are, arenas. They Gotta love have
0: comfort in their workday.
1: Yeah, but in the in their in terms of like the professional world, tension is the worst. So part of that indoctrination is feeling like I don't have the freedom to tell somebody hmm. It sounded to me like you want some bullshit right now. I don't like you right now. (laughs) Let me tell you about yourself (laughs) right right now.
0: Right. So buckle in.
1: Buckle up, baby. It's going down. Like, I know I ain't perfect and I'm happy to hear anything you got, but I'm about to open this up. (laughs) I'm going to set this off.
0: The, the last three meetings we've had with you, here's how you've shown up. <laughs> right, I mean, just breaking it the fuck down.
1: You sloppy right now. <laughs> you real sloppy. And it's making me question my ability to do my job. But I'm not going to do that anymore.
0: <laughs> so imagine the world of what liberation would do for you and for me. So imagine you on and calls regularly. You're able mm-hmm. to say hang on, your shit stinks. Like, you were going great for a bit, but right now, no, no, no. You're going down the wrong path. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to pause. You're going to reflect on these three questions, and I'm going to go fucking, you know, have a whiskey and a beer back. I'll be back.
1: (laughs) Right. I'm going to go take a shit. I'll be right Right, back.
2: I'll
0: be right back, right? So that's one. Like, that's an example. Another example is I show up to facilitate a treat, and what I know is the most comfortable outfit I own.
2: Mm -hmm. Right? And I'm not talking Mm -hmm.
0: pajamas, but like... I can wear comfortable shoes jeans and a nice comfy sweater like a very nice hoodie like Mm -hmm. I don't have to be showing up in my you know ripped up you know Nike hoodie that I love and you've seen me wear 10,000 times and it's so Mm -hmm. thin it almost doesn't count anymore I don't mean that like but Mm -hmm. I will wear fucking something comfortable and I won't give a motherfucking shit about what goddamn earrings I put on or the fact that I mean I will lose sleep over should I fucking change the color. Of my goddamn mm. fingernails Because of the blah 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 Like if I can show up the way I ever show up And just fucking do the work And then in real time When people are starting to get fucking shady Be able to say we're gonna like do it in real time We're gonna yep. pause Y'all aren't actually being open and blah 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 We're gonna try it again Nope mm-hmm. try it again Nope try it again
1: yep. Yep.
0: What would it take to get us both there
1: unemployment
0: (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say winning the lottery
1: opposite side of the same spectrum Mm -hmm. right
0: it's employment or independent wealth that's the only way the only routes we if we have both of those things which means we are not dependent on another human we can do and be and believe whatever the fuck we want.
1: To the degree to which I make the decision to access your cultural norms on a regular basis. It is that to that degree, I am taking another step away from the cultural values that I'm raised in.
0: We know this from all the other things, right? From education. You educate yourself out of a particular community. Yep. You, I've left Albuquerque. I've left... You know, reservation school. I've left, so all, like, already. Like, and we can justify and name all the reasons, and they're all valid, and we still can't get back in. The phrases, I mean, I'm sure you have all the phrases. Ours is apple, right? Yours is Oreo. Mm-hmm. Oreo, right? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's, yeah, all yeah. The yeah. Sh-
0: it's all that shit. The hard thing is um, when I'm with you, I can either say or receive, dude, that's some white shit. What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? And I'm so motherfucking grateful. Like, oh, thank God. Right? You, I, I, Even just imagining it, I can already feel the relief.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: So does that mean, like, we're relegated to just, like, waiting to hear it from each other? And, and... What like if our fucking DNA has been changed as a result? Are we actually even seeing the other things?
1: No, you gonna miss shit. Yeah, you can't help it. Yeah, we can't help it.
0: And I don't mean like stereotype shit. Like that's some white shit. I don't mean like you giving me shit because I listen to country music. Like mm-hmm. I don't mean like that. Like mm-hmm. because that's just bullshit. Like mm-hmm. stereotype. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean like. Ain't on a meeting, don't say that. Mm-hmm. Show me that is some white fucking shit. <laughs> what the fuck is about? I'd be like, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, mm-hmm. let's. It's mm-hmm. that. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we interrupt the white supremacist shit?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One of your big pet peeves, and I fucking love it because it's one of mine too, is um, don't go fucking tell on someone if you don't fucking first tell that person first. Because that mm-hmm. is so fucking white. Like, don't go, don't don't go to their supervisor without fucking first directly, yep. right? Which, yes, a hundred percent. And then the 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 ramifications when that doesn't happen are are painful and whatever and all the things. But we don't know how to tell each other, writ large, how to do that with our clients.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
1: yeah Yeah.
0: we don't like you don't say to me hey don't do that shit with me because I saw you fucking do it in that meeting
2: mhm mhm mhm
1: yeah it is beyond difficult to expect that we will deconstruct Master's house using the master's tools. Right? Yeah. yeah. And yet, that's exactly what, in a lot of ways, people think they're paying us to do.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: I am quick to call someone a Tom when I see things that just rub me the wrong way, right? Give me an example. Clarence Thomas.
0: Give me Clarence. an example of Clarence like. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Give mm-hmm. me an example of like um, a regular everyday person.
1: First time I ever did a workshop, my colleague and I were both new at facilitating. We were doing social justice. She practically opens up the conversation, white woman, by saying only white people can be racist. Like, no context. Like, this is how new we are. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, good morning, y'all. Only white people can be racist. (laughs) Black woman in the room damn near jumps out her chair to go to war with her over that. And the whole time I'm just sitting there like, I expected this response when you said some crazy shit like that to start the day. Yeah. I didn't expect it to come from you, yes. black woman. Use a time ass motherfucker right now.
0: All right, so then here's the follow-up question. Can we rightfully call someone else a Tom <clears throat> when we know we're navigating that ourselves?
1: So... I'm coming to the conclusion that timing exists on a spectrum.
2: Oh.
1: And for and for that reason I'm going to say yes on a good day.
0: <laughs> I know where this is going. I'm sitting in anticipation.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say when I'm in a shittier place, when I'm feeling less humane, right? Less empathetic. And then the world is full of times. Fuck the spectrum. It's a binary, and you on the other side of it. <laughs> if I'm being 100% honest with myself, I wouldn't even go so far as to say, no, I can't call you a Tom. I think what I want now that I'm thinking about it, I've learned a lot about black hair. And maybe it's not just black hair. I think all hair in hair care industry exists on a spectrum, and it has a letter and a number attached to it as a way of designating the texture of a person's hair, right? So the curlier your hair, the more coarse your hair you get into different letters and numbers, and then as you get straighter hair, you get into different letters and numbers, and it's on the spectrum, right? Okay. That's what I want for Toms. Like, I'm a 3D <laughs> Tom. That motherfucker over there.
0: He is a 6D. He's
1: a 6D Tom.
0: I mean, he is. <laughs> oh, man. We need to create that spectrum.
1: For real, that's a t shirt waiting yeah. to happen
0: yeah what is your level of like fucking tap dancing this is yeah. like your spectrum on the tom scale
1: yeah are you a novice or right. are you billy jangles in this right motherfucker? and you are just fucking, game, you're the,
0: tap fucking dancing
1: you're the savior you're Y'all the of this, of exactly <laughs> you a game changer of the tap industry
0: Dive In Justice is a co-production of the Center for Whole Communities and Shoreline Consulting.
1: The Center for Whole Communities exists to build capacity at the individual, organizational, and community level to deepen awareness, embrace differences, and value relationships, thus making change possible.
0: Shoreline Consulting co-constructs solutions and strategies, That align with your goals and leverages the voices, perspectives, and wisdom of those who stand to benefit.
1: For more information on Center for Whole Communities, find us at wholecommunities.org. For more information on Shoreline Consulting, visit us at thinkshorelines.com.
0: Dive in Justice theme song created by Nasir Thomas Jackson. Original music throughout today's episode created by Dana and Alden. Check out their debut album, Brothers on Spotify. Jenny Cotting helps us out with marketing and promotions. Thank you all so much. Without your effort, this show would not be possible.